Welcome to the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast with your host, Tom Singer. In each episode, we explore the interesting lives of business leaders, entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, and others who have a healthy dose of the entrepreneurial spirit. It is time to explore something cool. Now, here is your host, Tom Singer. Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. Thank you so much for tuning in. Hey, at the end of the last episode, I sort of dropped this idea, and I wanted to go back and follow it up at the beginning of this episode, and that is in February, for the last 10 years, my family has hosted a fundraiser for the Dell Children's Hospital for the Cranial Facial Division. So as many of you know, if you listen to this show regularly, my youngest daughter was born with a condition where the bones in her skull had fused together. And at age six months old, they had to remove the cap of her skull. Now, we were very fortunate. It all worked out great. Uh, And uh, she's fine. She's 15. She's beautiful. The bones in her head grew back just like they were supposed to. But we always wanted to find a way to give back. So about 10 years ago, we started the Kate Singer Endowment for Cranial Facial Surgery and Research. And what I said kind of on a whim on that last episode was anyone who donates, and in the notes to this show, there'll be a link, but you just go to the Dell Children's Medical Foundation main donation page, and they have a drop-down menu, and one of the choices is the Kate Singer Endowment, and it's for research for other kids who are born with cranial facial issues, and that's anything to do with the bones in their head or also soft tissue like cleft and, and things like that. Anyone who makes a donation of any size, $2, $5, $100, in the month of February, I'm going to enter them into a drawing and I'm going to give an hour's worth of one-on-one coaching slash consulting to whoever gets drawn out of that pool. And I wasn't really planning that. I didn't do any lead up to the month of February, but at the end of the episode, I said it and then I thought, Not everybody listens to the end of an episode, so I'm starting this episode with a reminder of that. If that interests you, uh, go and donate a little bit of money to Dell Children's Hospital in Austin, Texas for research for kids born with cranial facial issues, and uh, maybe you'll be the lucky one who is drawn. So moving on to this episode, which is why you tuned in, you didn't want to hear about the last episode, I have a guest today that I met, oh gosh, it's got to be a year and a half ago. We met at an event for the National Speakers Association, and I was really impressed with the fact that she has had a successful career in the speaking business for more than 20 years, which is amazing because she looks like she's 34 years old, and she might be one or two years older than that, but she has had continuous success. And I will tell you, in this business, to have continuous success for five years is difficult. 10 years, gosh, it's nearly impossible. But for more than 20 years, that is fantastic. So my guest today is Vicki Hitzges. And Vicki, actually, when you read her bio, one of the things that's interesting is she wasn't one of these kids who was like the life of the party in high school who you would have said, she's going to go on and be a, be a professional speaker. She started off, she had a very small circle of friends. She was the worst student in her speaking class in high school. And she went off to high school, or she went off to college, and after college, she went to work for a TV station. And so talk about changing your world. She became sort of a newscaster and reporter. And then later, she became the publicist for Zig Ziglar. Now, those of you who know the speaking business know that Zig Ziglar practically invented the speaking business. And so she got to work with him for many years and then branched out on her own. And and what she taught people was how to do the things she struggled with, how to be yourself and go out there and make friends and get involved. And she created a very successful career that has never stopped. And I also secretly think she's brilliant. And I've never shared this with her. But she actually owns KeynoteSpeaker.com 
Which means when the dot-com world showed up, when the internet appeared, she said, this is going to be a good idea to probably own KeynoteSpeaker.com. So if you want to find Vicky, you just go to KeynoteSpeaker.com, which sounds like, wow, that must be like the biggest speakers bureau in the world. Nope. That's Vicky, and she has done a great job of using her website, which is really good, and really using just her personality and some great topics to have a, a career that has spanned more than two decades, which, like I said, I'm just blown away when I meet people who've continued to do that, and their phone keeps ringing. So I thought she could share a lot with us about what it was like to start your own business and then keep it going for so long. So, hey, Vicky Hitzkes, welcome to Thank cool you. things. Yeah, welcome to Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. Let me tell you something you do well. You know the secret of smiling when you talk. People can hear <laughs> the smile when you speak. You're very good at that. <laughs> so you, I give a little bit of a background about your business, but I always think it's more fun for the entrepreneur to tell their own story. Tell us about your company. What do you do? Well, last week, Joel Block, who is a head fund manager, came to our chapter at North Texas Speakers Association, and he asked an intriguing question. He said, is your business speaking or is your talent speaking? And it wasn't a trick question. It was a question. Is your business speaking or is your talent speaking? Most people's talent is speaking that are in the industry in that like you said, it's very, it is a very difficult business. So most people have another business on the side and they would often speak for free just to get in front of their audience because what they're really trying to do is they're trying to sell real estate or hedge funds in Joel's case, or he's a magnificent speaker, or they're selling something else. I have a talent to speak, but my business is speaking. And I, I just stumbled into it because I was Zig Ziglar's publicist after a career in television. And he said, you're creative. You should speak. God, what, you got to love having Zig, Zig, having Zig Ziglar tell you, you should join the speaking business. That's a vote of confidence. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. And what a great mentor. So tell us, let's go off subject here just quick. What was it like working for Zig Ziglar? Oh, he was so interesting. I worked really closely with him because when I first started, I was his publicist. And so I, I worked, I mean, I worked right with him. In two years, Tom, I never saw him depressed. I never saw him in a bad mood. I never saw him down. No matter what was going on in his life, he was always positive. And I would think, oh, please, does your balloon never land? <laughs> real. And I asked his best friend, I said, why do you think he's so happy? And he, he said, Vicki, it's not normal. But he said, I think the reason Zig's so happy is because he's the most genuinely grateful man I know. And I'll just tell you one quick story. Outside of Zig's office was this big bulletin board. And on it were all kinds of people that he was grateful for. The first guy who gave him a chance Mary Kay Ash, who got him speaking, um, uh, the woman who led him to the Lord, all kinds of people. So he couldn't walk into his office or walk out of his office without seeing the things he was grateful for. And he was always happy. There's a secret there. 
God, you know, I just wrote that down, a bulletin board of gratitude. I mean, what if you had pictures of all the people? Think about this for the people who are listening. If you had a bulletin board in or outside your office that had pictures of all the things and the people who you were grateful for, you know, just think about how that might change every day. That's that's like that's like the golden nugget of this interview, and we're four minutes into the show. <laughs> yeah, and it wasn't like a little board. It, it was big. It was like, <laughs> like the school teachers had. <laughs> well, he probably had a lot of people to be grateful for. He was, yeah. you know, he'd been around a long time. Hey, so Vicky, in addition to Zig saying, well, you should be a speaker, I mean, to, to leave, I mean, a lot of people are in television doing newscasting and reporting, and then they go become publicists. But what led you to take that leap to, to leave that world and go be a speaker? What led you into this entrepreneurial world of, of being Vicky? Well, I think there are things in life, I call them hinge moments. For example, I don't know how you met your wife, but let's, I'm going to make this up. Let's <laughs> say that you take an elective and you don't want to take it, but you need three hours credit. So you take this elective and you don't really want to, and you go into the class and you get the only seat that's left and you sit next to this beautiful girl named Sarah. And by the end of the semester, you've fallen in love with her. And the next thing you know, you're married and you spend your life. Taking that elective is a hinge moment. One day I was asked to speak. It was a freebie engagement. I wasn't even a speaker yet. I was asked to speak in the church And somebody from the Zig Ziglar Corporation came and sat in the audience. And she went back and told the president, she has a talent. And so the president said, Vicki, come speak for us. And so I spoke and he said, quit being a publicist, come be a speaker. (laughs) Well, it was kind of a hinge moment the way I met my wife, Sarah, except it it wasn't in school. We met after college. Uh, Sarah and I met the old fashioned way. We met in a bar. And, ah. and, and, and it was, it was a hinge moment. I walked over to talk to somebody. I was in Northern California. I had gone to school in Southern California and I saw someone, uh, who was from, I, I knew from college, he was in a, a different fraternity than me, but I knew him through the Greek system. And I walked over and said hello to him. And he was talking to this other woman and she had gone to our same college and he was trying to keep the conversation going and they had run out of stuff to talk about. And he's like, Tom went to San Diego state also. And this girl didn't want to talk to us. But Joe kept this conversation going for like another 10 minutes about what dorm we lived in, what fraternity Mm. I was in. And all of a sudden, this very attractive brunette come up and tapped this woman, Betsy, on the shoulder who we were talking to. And we all sort of turned and looked at the brunette. And she said to Betsy, oh, my God, I am so sorry that I'm an hour late. And my joke is, little did I know I would hear that everywhere I went for the rest of my life. (laughs) But... But the truth is, is that it was definitely a hinge moment. Had I not walked across the bar, if I hadn't been there that night. Although I I have to add one more thing. Sarah gets mad when I tell the whole world that we met in a bar. She actually prefers, I say, a microbrewery. So let's just set the record straight. That sounds much more town, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So, So you've been doing this consistently and successfully for over 20 years. What do you love about the entrepreneurial life that you've created? I like a couple things about it. I love the freedom. I like that I can work in the middle of the night. I like that I can get up in the morning. I like that I don't have to work at all, sort of. (laughs) (laughs) Sort of. I find that I'm working all the time. But I, I like that a lot. And I love the people that I meet, as I'm sure you do. I love the other speakers. 
I love my clients and I like the people I sit next to on airplanes. I've made a lot of friends on airplanes. You know, it's so funny. So many people get on an airplane and they stick their headphones in. They go, I don't want to talk to these people. I worked for a woman once who called it the miracle of the middle seat. And what was so funny is this woman was an extreme introvert. However, she loved to talk to the business people who were in the middle seat next to her because she used to pick up clients and business friends and people like that all the time because you just never know who you're going to sit next to. Well, kudos for her if she was an introvert for doing that. I do that all the time. If I'm sitting next to somebody, I'll lean over and I'll say, I'm sorry, but you are going to have to entertain me. (laughs) (laughs) And they do. My answer is I lean over and I go, are you one of those people who like to talk to the person in the next seat or not? Because no is a totally fine answer, but I'm kind of one of the people who likes to talk to the people next to me. (laughs) And most people, whether they're introverts or extroverts, are like, oh, no, let's talk and we'll have a good conversation. Every now and then someone will go, yeah, I'm the former. I don't want to talk to you. And it's like, okay, totally cool. Uh, it's rare though. If you, if you're interested in them, they like to talk about themselves. Absolutely. So, so that's what you love about it. Is there anything you don't like as much? Do you ever wake up any days and say, you know, I could have stayed with that TV station and I wouldn't have to deal with this. Oh yeah. There's, there's a couple things I don't like about it. I don't like that. It's unpredictable. I mean, sometimes you make a lot of money and sometimes you think, wow, I wonder if I'll ever get booked again. <laughs> I love Izzy Gazelle's line. He says, people are terrified of speaking. He said, I am too, but it's not for the reason you think. He said, I'm afraid I'll never get booked again. <laughs> <laughs> so, so there's that, you know, you're working for yourself. And I find it a very, it, it's the most, it's the oddest business because it's just me or it's me in front of 5,000 people. Yeah, there's no in between, right? There's no, no. like three people involved. No, it's very lonely. And the other thing that I find very challenging is, um, I often will go work for a friend of mine who has an office because I lose my skills in technology. I don't have children and I, I find it crucial to stay up in technology for marketing. You can sell as they did, you can sell pet rocks if you can market, <laughs> but you have to know the technology. And when you work for a company, you learn it. When you work at home, you don't. Right. Well, and it is true. Like I, I do have children and, and they keep you abreast of everything, although they won't teach me Snapchat. I'm like, come on, it's not intuitive. I need I need you guys to help me. I have a 20 year old and a, and a 15 year old. And they're like, nope, we're not teaching you Snapchat. And I said, why? And they go, we have to have one place that dad isn't. <laughs> I don't think you're missing out on Snapchat personally, but <laughs> that's cool. You got him. So what advice do you have for people who are listening? I mean, there's a lot of people who listen to this show who have that sort of desire to maybe go, maybe they want to start their own thing as a publicist, or maybe they want to be a consultant or a speaker, or maybe they want to start an auto repair shop. But what, what advice do you have for them? I have one really good piece of advice, and that is have a rich spouse. <laughs> Boy, that would make my life a lot easier. It would. It would, Tom. I'm telling you. My first two years, I wouldn't be in the business if I hadn't been married to somebody with money. Because, <laughs> I mean, I, I wouldn't. The first two years, I didn't make any money at all. Then it picked up. Or if you're going to go off on your own, you need to know you're going off on your own and you better have some money stored up. Because it's going it's to be rough. It's rare that lightning strikes. Usually it's like, starting a fire with two sticks and no instructions. You've got to somehow figure it out and get it going. 
And you know, that that is really true. I mean, I know you make the joke about having the rich spouse, but one of the plans that we had was that I was going to have like $100,000 saved up in an account to start the business so that we would have this long runway. Because even if I earned half that, we would be able to last a couple of years without, you know, the need for, you know, credit debt and things like that. And when I got laid off, I didn't have it. And my wife was a full-time mom at the time. And so she didn't have an income per se. So the, the combination of that really led us to the fact that, you know, I, I had to sink or swim. And, and fortunately, I was able to, to swim, but I did have to run up a lot of debt because I didn't have anyone else to pay the bills. So, you know, having that runway or that uh, or, or changing your lifestyle and cutting it way back is really good advice. I think it's I think it's crucial advice. And then what I said earlier, not not that I'm the best at this, but I really do think it's important to keep up with technology. And believe me, I'm not good. I hired a neighborhood kid a couple of weeks ago and said, come over here and show me how to do this and this and this and this. Because my career kicked off because I was ahead of everybody else in technology, which is so darn ironic. But I was hosting the Dallas Cowboy Show and I made a video demo tape that nobody could compete with. <laughs> so heroes picked me up like crazy and customers hired me. I wasn't any good. I would read my speech. I'd get terrified. I'd lose my voice. But I got good, and it's because I knew the technology. So I, I just think it's crucial. Well, and I made a joke about it on the intro, but you you were ahead of technology at some point because you bought KeynoteSpeaker.com. Well, I did that recently, actually. Oh, see, I was thinking that you were way out ahead of the curve. That's great. I like that, I like that you think that, but no. <laughs> it was still strategic, but no, I did that recently. I also think it's a good idea to form a mastermind group. And I don't necessarily think your mastermind group, I know, I know you're in one that you love. I don't think your mastermind group necessarily has to be all speakers or all engineers or all anything. One of my favorite groups was, didn't have another speaker in it and boy we had like an attorney and we had a designer and we had and that was a great group yeah and you know i've talked about it many times on the show you know i i i've it's been just so great to have that group and mine happens to be made up of all speakers but i give the same advice that it doesn't have to be people from your same industry. It just has to be people who are going to be committed to the group and committed to helping everyone in the group find more success than they would have it without that mastermind organization. Yes. And, and it's, and it's hard. It's hard to find that, especially if you're all speakers because you're competing against each other, but you have to be committed to helping each other. Yeah. And it was really interesting. Recently, one of the people in my mastermind group uh, had to turn down an event because of uh, something that came up. And he told the the person who was ready to hire him, hey, I, I have a couple of suggestions. And it was really exciting because he, he, you know, recommended others of us from the group. But then it got kind of weird because we're all best buddies. I mean, they're almost like my siblings. And mm -hmm. it was between me and another person. And sh she was like, well, wait a minute, they're going to pick one of us and not the other. But I'm an old sales guy, and I've always been friends with competitors. So I was like, it doesn't matter who wins. It's exciting that we got this referral from someone inside the group and that we've made it to the final two. And, you know, in the end, we're all cool the way that it worked out. So, you know, it didn't matter who was hired. No, it doesn't. And there's only one slot. They don't always make the right choice. I mean, you've got to, you just got to go with that. Yeah, of course, I, I say it doesn't matter. But of course, I was the one that was chosen. But we did have a, me and the other person, <laughs> me and the other person did have a good talk about it that, you know, we're still friends and we think it's great no matter who they do it. And then that was actually true when the, when the end came out. We had a good laugh about it.
Oh, that's good. And the other thing I'd say is learn your craft, whatever it is, be good at it. I, I have a, I have a couple mentors. One of them is here in Dallas and he, he, he learned from a fabulous speaker and I go over and he, he has helped from the get go, help pull me along. And then I, in turn, he is a person who has a talent for speaking. He has a business and so I, on my own, contribute to his business financially. He didn't ask me to. I just do it because I, I, I really think relationships are huge. And I think that if you don't have a mutually beneficial relationship in some way, the parasite will suck the host dry. <laughs> well, I want to follow up on two things. One is it's interesting because you've been extremely successful for 20 plus years and yet you still go for mentoring and coaching on your craft. And so is it important then for entrepreneurs, you know, even 20 years after they launch their business to still be fine tuning their skills? Well, I think it is because I don't think you ever arrive. I don't think you ever arrive. And as you get older, not that I would know about that, but (laughs) I hear as you get older, you have to be in touch with millennials. You have to be in touch with a broader spectrum and examples that would come to mind. They weren't even alive. It's just so funky to me. You know, I, <laughs> so <laughs> I, I, I mentor a guy who is 27 years old and he's having a lot of changes at work and, and we're pretty close. He's kind of like, you know, my extra kid. And we were on the phone and he was talking about how two people just left his company and, and he's excited because he's going to roll up his sleeves and jump in. But then he called me and a third person left. And I said, well, just roll up your sleeves higher. I go and realize that you're in for an e-ticket ride and there's dead silence. And he goes, I don't know what that means. (laughs) And I said, of course you don't know what it means, because when you go to Disneyland, one ticket gets everything. When I was a kid, there are different tickets for different letters, and the e-tickets were the really big ups and down roller coaster rides. And I'm like, wow, I never thought that I can't say that's an e-ticket ride, because there's an entire, probably two generations of people who are like, what are you talking about? Yeah, 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 yeah. I remember when Johnny Carson died, I was standing in a yogurt shop and I said to this, you know, 20 something year old kid, I went, wow, Johnny Carson died. And he looked at me and went, who? Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) I'm like, how do you not know that? So, so the other follow-up I want to make on what you had said before was you talked about that, you know, improving your craft, getting good at what you do is so important. But earlier you said when you started, you weren't even that good. So is it okay to start even before you're great? Because obviously you went from not that good to being great, but you still started. Is it okay to start before you're perfect? Oh, well, you have to start somewhere. <laughs> I mean, nobody starts perfect. Nobody. I mean, you just don't. You've, you've got to crawl before you can walk and walk before you can run. So get out there, but don't price yourself too high. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, Vicki, I've got a couple of more questions for you. But first, I have to thank the sponsor of this episode. Oh, yeah, do that. So this episode is brought to you by Podfly Productions. Podfly takes the time and the headache out of creating your own podcast. They set you up with the right equipment, training, and guidance to ensure that you sound amazing. Podfly does all the heavy lifting and the technical work so that you can focus on creating great content, growing your audience, and interviewing great people like Vicki Hitzkis. Now, for an exclusive offer 
to those of you who listen to this show, go to podfly.net slash cool things. If you want to start a podcast, I can't think of a better partner for you to work with. So Vicki, I call the show Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. So what is the coolest thing you're doing that is new and exciting with your business? I think this rocks. I think it does because I I haven't I've just I haven't even dipped my toe into it yet. But I just hired a professional comedian to teach me comedy. Oh wow! Because I'm funny. I can get up in front of a group and I can get groups to laugh. I have a sense of humor. I'm funny, but I'm not juice come out your nose funny. <laughs> and, and I want people to hurt. I want their sides to ache. I want them to turn purple being around me. I want them to be miserable and gasping. I want to be that funny. And, you know, I'm paying him $25, so I expect. (laughs) I love the, I want to be juice come out your nose funny. (laughs) So I love to ask the people who come onto this show about who else they admire, because we could talk about Vicky all day long and all the cool things that you've done in your career. But I think great entrepreneurs, I think they're observers. So I love to ask the people who come on the show, who is someone else who you think is doing something cool? I have a friend who's an inventor, but I've never met an inventor before. I mean, I think of Einstein or Edison or somebody when I think of inventors, Edison mostly, but he's an inventor. He invented icicle lights, you know, that you hang on your house at Christmas. Oh yeah. The ones that, that hang down five or six lights off the, off the thing. I know exactly what you're talking about. And net lights, you throw them over your bushes, same kind of thing. Yeah, it's made, it's made Christmas easier around here. It's made Christmas simple. That's exactly right. And he made millions. Well, he, he, sees, he sees things that don't exist, and then he makes a product and goes and sells them. And he has a new product out now. I can't tell you a lot about it, but he has a new product that will instantly scent your home. And it will get rid of any bad odor. So you won't get vanilla flavored salmon if you're cooking fish. You'll get <laughs> clean air that smells like vanilla or whatever flavor you want. Nice. So it's fun for me to hang around with him because it makes my imagination just go bing, 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 bing. Yeah, no, that is so true. If you're hanging around with people who are, who are doing imaginative and, and, and things that involve a lot of ingenuity, it, it just makes you think, well, maybe I could be that way. I can do that. I can do that. <laughs> And I've thought of lots of products, and then it turns out they've already been invented. (laughs) Yeah, so I do have to give my fourth grade teacher credit. She had an entire idea for the self-driving car, and I can remember in fourth grade, she was talking about inventions, and she said, you know, maybe not in my lifetime, but in your lifetime, they'll be able to put, like, computer sensors. We didn't even know what a sensor was, right? And she just envisioned this whole thing. Sadly, I don't think she owns Uber, so I think that uh, she's probably not the one cashing in on the self-driving car but she totally got the idea isn't that cool yeah and every time you know, the last couple of years self-driving cars have been all over the news and every time i think of mrs robertson from fourth grade because she described because her idea was she loved to read she was a fourth grade teacher she loved to read but she had a commute to get to the school that she taught at and she said you know it was 40 minutes each way she goes how great if i could just sit there in the front seat and read a book the entire time. And she said, here's the way that you could do it. You get on the freeway and you get in this thing and you, you know, you turn, you flick a switch and the car will know where all the other cars are. And then a little alarm will go off when it's time for you to get off at the off ramp. She thought it would be tied to the actual freeway. Uh, but you know, she didn't know about GPS per se, but she, she definitely described what is today the self-driving car. And I always think, wow, I wish I had paid more attention in fourth grade. Yeah, no kidding. 
No kidding. You wouldn't have had to save up that $100,000. That's right. If I, I could have invented the self-driving car, I could have just ripped it off from Mrs. Robertson. There you go. There you go. So, Vicki, the final question I ask everybody who comes on the show is, what do you do to give back to the greater good? Because in addition to being observers, I think, I think that those who are entrepreneurs, we want to leave a mark. We want to do more than make money. So what is it that you do? Well, I do, I do a couple things. And they're things that mean a lot to me. And what I don't want to do if I talk about these things is sound like I'm patting myself on the back because they're, I think they're important things. One of the things I do is I do prison ministry. And the first time I ever did that, I went to a prison and they let me go to the jail inside the prison. So these were people in prison that had been so bad in prison, they put them in jail. Yeah. (laughs) And they only let women go to women's prisons, fortunately. And I mean, these were tough women, but they need to know God loves them and they need to know they can be forgiven. They need to hear that and they get it. They don't fight you. They don't cross their arms and tell you there's no God. They don't tell you I'm not bad and compared to Hitler, blah, blah, blah. You know, they don't do any of that. (laughs) They need hope and they need to be loved. And so anyway, that's one thing I do. I love that. I love that. I also found this way more difficult. I used to teach Sunday school to 10 year olds and just about <laughs> wore me out. And I had a little class and a helper and I had to take a nap every Sunday afternoon. <laughs> so, so wait a second. Let's see if I have this straight. Church 10 year olds is harder than hardened prisoners. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You can tell I have not had children of my own. <laughs> That's fantastic. destroyed my energy level. And then one last thing I do, and this was way cool. I tithe. I give back 10%. And I, I used to, I need to get back in the habit of doing this, quote, unquote, religiously. But whenever, whenever I got a, a check, a deposit, like, let's, I'm going to make up an amount, but this was an exact amount one time. I was going to put in a check for $10,000. So I would write a check, but I just put in $1,000. That's 10%. But I wouldn't make it out and I wouldn't sign the check. So all, all the check said was $1,000. So I knew that I needed to either put this on the offering plate or do something with that. So uh, I was speaking in Panama, and I'm not dropping names. I've done that once in my entire life. But anyway, I was speaking in Panama, and I was flying home. And I was sitting next to this guy, and he was telling me that he, he was an American, but he lived in this village, and the women in the village had to walk half a mile uphill to a lake to get their water every day and walk half a mile downhill to deliver the water. And they could only take you know, like a gallon or two at a time because it was so heavy. And he wanted to build them a water system. And so we talked and I said, well, how much would that cost? And he said, well, I'm going to build it myself with a pump. And it probably cost about a thousand dollars. And I said, I'll pay for that. And he didn't know me at all because I was asking him questions. And I said, I'll pay for that. I've got the check made out. (laughs) And anyway, long story short, he built the water system. I haven't seen him since, but he's called me a couple times. He said the women are just thrilled. I mean, you can imagine. They'd just be thrilled 
And then he said to me once, and he was dead serious, he said, are you an angel? (laughs) (laughs) Which I'm so not. (laughs) But, But in the Bible, angel means messenger of God. And in that instance, it was another hinge moment for him. I was able to take money that I feel didn't belong to me. I was giving it to the Lord anyway. And I was able to bless a whole village and bless him. I don't know that I have ever heard that advice from all the 200 plus people we've interviewed on the show about writing out the check. I mean, a lot of people, you know, I give a small percentage of every speech I give to what we call the Kate Singer Endowment for Cranial Facial Research, which I talked about at the opening of the show. And and that's where it always goes. My money always goes there. I don't think I've ever heard of anybody taking a percentage of whatever they tithe and holding on, even if you just did it. $500 or $100 until you crossed the right path with somebody. And then you've already given the money away in your head because, like you said, you've already written the check. It's already, you know, in your ledger. What an absolutely great idea. I think the next time I have a two or $300 check, instead of writing it to my own charity, to this endowment, I think I'm going to put a blank check and just tape it here on my bulletin board. And then when the right person crosses my path, I'll know. I think that that's, we started with a huge nugget and we're ending with a huge nugget, which is always <laughs> makes for the best shows. Vicki, that's just, I mean, yeah, it's, it's a beautiful story, but what a great idea for people who want to find a way to give back and don't know where to start. Just write the check and, and, and the opportunity will find you. That's exactly right. And and, oh, the joy. Oh, the joy. You know that. You give. Yeah, no. Absolutely. Absolutely. And if if somebody is looking for that right now, February is the month. We do. I I give part of everything I make. But in February, we ask other people to join us. And we do a fundraiser for the Dell Children's Hospital for the Kate Singer Endowment for Cranial Facial Surgery and Research. And uh, I would love it if somebody listening says... You know, I'll give my $5 or my $500 to that cause. So uh, hopefully that just tickled someone's uh, little bell in the back of their head. And uh, maybe they'll give. And they could be entered into the drawing for an hour of free free coaching and consulting. Hey, Vicki, thank you so much for agreeing to be a guest on Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. Because like the title says, you're doing a lot of cool stuff. Thank you, Tom. I really enjoy it. You're very good at what you do. Appreciate it. <laughs> Well, thank you. And thank you to everybody for listening. I say it every single time. If it wasn't for the audience, there'd be no purpose for the show. So thanks for tuning in. Tell your friends. The only way people find a show like this is if somebody says, hey, I got a great podcast for you to listen to. So tell a friend. And if you like the show, jump over to iTunes and leave a review. That helps people find the show also. And when I get a nice five-star review with a description of why you like it, it just makes my whole day better. And I like it when my day is a little better. So go go leave that review. Hey, we're going to be back in a couple of days with an interview with somebody just as cool as Vicky. But in the meantime, go out there and have a great day. Thank you for being part of the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast. Without your participation and listening to these conversations, there is no show. Connect with Tom at TomSinger.com and follow him on Twitter at, at TomSinger. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.